Luke chapter 18, I want you to follow along as uh, I read verses 1 through 5, and then we're going to read verses 6 and 7 together. All right, I'll read verses 1 through 5, we'll read verses 6 through 7 together. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 7, the Word of God says, And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came in unto him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Together, and the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them." And let's pray. Lord, thank you for the truth that we find in this uh, parable. I pray that you'd give me the words to say, give us ears to hear, and may it change our lives because of uh, your word being revealed to us this evening. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. What a fascinating passage of Scripture, the parable of the unjust judge. A parable is a story with a truth to be told. Uh, a truth to be learned. A parable is a story with a truth to be learned. And so Jesus sometimes would tell these stories, they would be illustrations of a greater truth. Now, we know the purpose of this illustration, this story, because verse 1 tells us, if you look at Luke chapter 18 and verse 1, there's no doubt what the story is about. Uh, And he, Jesus, spake a parable unto them to this end, or for this purpose, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Jesus said, I want to teach you a story that will explain to you why you should always pray and never quit praying. Fainting talks about uh, fainting from prayer. Have you ever prayed for something and you didn't get it, so you just decided to stop praying about it? I think we all have. Now, there are times when we do pray for things that are not God's will, and we really should stop praying for those things. But there are times when we should be praying for the thing we're praying for, and we stop because we get discouraged. If God's hearing me and this thing is in His will, why doesn't God answer my prayer? You know, it's not a sin to ask God why. We know that because of Jesus on the the cross. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It wasn't a sin for Jesus to ask why. It's not a sin for you to say, Lord, why is this happening to me? Lord, why won't you answer my prayer? The sin comes when we demand an answer. The sin comes when we get mad at God if he doesn't tell us an answer. 
And we've just got to remember that God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts, higher than the, the heavens above the earth. And if I could understand God, that means I'd be equal with Him and we'd all be in trouble. Right? Part of being surrendered to God and part of the, the beauty of having a God is realizing there are some things that are just above our pay grade. Right? We don't have to know everything. Sometimes you can ask why and God will tell you. And sometimes you ask why and he won't. But there are a lot of things that we need to continue praying for and not to faint. Jesus told this story because there are things that you are praying for and you should pray for and God hasn't answered it yet and you should still keep praying for it and not give up. This parable is about what we would call persevering prayer or importunate prayer. It's prayer that just keeps going. It's prayer that perseveres the nose, perseveres the silence, perseveres the waiting, perseveres the not understanding. It's, it's importunate. It just doesn't stop. It goes on and on and on. And we pray and we pray and we pray and we pray. And we pray for days and weeks and months and years and decades and sometimes for a lifetime. But it's still right to keep praying. Matter of fact, if you look at, at part of the application from this, if you look back at the verses we read in verses 6 and 7, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith." So this was the purpose of the parable was to teach anybody who ever reads it that they should pray and not stop praying. The immediate application to those who were listening him right now, the Jews back in the day, we find in verses 6 and 7. And hear what the unjust judge saith, And shall not God avenge his own elect or his chosen, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you, verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. What that means is God might wait a long time, but when God starts to move, it happens fast. And this is just the way God works sometimes. Sometimes you're like, oh, it's never going to happen. But when it happens, you better hang on. I remember years ago, there was a, a lady and she felt like she was never going to get married. And I said, you just need to decide that if God wants you to be single, you'll be single. If God wants you to get married, you'll get married. But until then, you're just going to be faithful. I said, but let me warn you, when God does decide to make it happen, a lot of times he moves very fast. And she came to me later and she said, boy, you weren't joking. Because sometimes when God moves, the change happens all at once. Maybe you're praying for someone to get saved for years and years and years. And then it just happens all at once. You're praying for uh, someone to turn their heart to the Lord, God to change someone's life, maybe change your marriage, maybe change uh, someone's heart, maybe change a loved one. Maybe you're praying for a child or for a parent. And years and years and years and years, and boom! Now it's, what just happened? Because God will make you wait, but when he moves, he moves speedily. And I like that about the Lord. You know, God doesn't have to take 10 years to get something done. He can just do it now. He doesn't have to take a lifetime. He can do it now. But if he takes a lifetime, he can do everything that you asked for that fast. And that's part of our faith. So he's, sitting, he's telling these, these people, 
that yea, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. And so realize he's talking to the Jews. The Jews had been praying for deliverance from, from Gentile overlordship for generations. They were currently under the thumb of the Roman Empire that was a very wicked and harsh empire. Matter of fact, I was reading about Pontius Pilate, uh, some of the history about him. These were just ruthless men. For example, one time there was a there was a, an uprising, and this is in the historical literature of the day. There was an uprising in the the near the temple, and the crowds gathered and began an uprising. And Pilate wanted to disperse it quickly. He just sent centurions into the crowd to start knifing people. Not like open, not like open warfare but just like walking into the crowd, shivving people in the back, in the stomach, and people just started falling. Nobody knew who the assailants were, and everybody just took off running. I mean, that's how these people were ruthless. And the Roman Empire as a whole was ruthless. It's interesting how Daniel, how God describes the Roman Empire in Daniel, ruthless. And for generations, lifetime after lifetime, generation after generation, the, the, the Jews were crying out, deliver us. And they, they always seemed to get themselves in trouble over 400 years in Egypt under the thumb of the Philistines and the, the, the Midianites. And over and over and over, they'd find themselves under the thumb of some other nation because of their sin and unbelief. But here they'd been praying. Imagine these people. They had never known what it was like to be truly free. And they prayed to God. They prayed to God. And God's, Jesus said, listen, I'm going to tell you this parable. But here's one application. When God does move, there's coming a day when God's going to move. And when he does move, he's going to move quickly. And he will always avenge his elect. That's pretty good news considering that now you know you are his elect. You're, we're his chosen people in the church age. Wonderful truth. But this, the, the, the goal of this parable is, hey, don't stop praying. If it's right, if it's in the will of God, don't stop praying, even if it takes a long time. So here we find this parable of a powerful man. And he had the authority to help this widow lady. And widows in this day and age were, they, they were the most powerless. In a, a male-run society, a, a, a wife, uh, excuse me, a lady with her husband passed away. She had no sons taking care of her. I mean, this was a powerless lady in the system in which they found themselves. And here was a judge who could have helped her. She had no husband to encourage her, guide her, protect her, fight for her. Seems that she had no sons either to, to help her. She had an enemy who mistreated her, and apparently the law was on her side. She was in the right. She went to the judge fully expecting the judge to rule in her favor. After all, the law was on her side. However, in the parable Jesus told, he was an unjust judge. He didn't rule by justice. He didn't rule by right or wrong or the law of the land. He ruled according to his whim. Does that sound familiar today? You know, judges, the way America was set up, judges were supposed to uh, discern the law, not create it. 
And now for generations, we've had people, judges on the bench creating laws out of thin air. Uh, that's never going to end well. But here's a man who didn't care what the law said. He didn't care about this lady or her problems. What could she do? Should she give up? Should she walk away? No. She decided this man can help me. And I'm going to keep asking until I get his attention. And he's going to help me. This is a lady that you would have liked to meet. I mean, a determined lady. Now, we lose some of the, the persistence just because the way the story uh, unfolds in the Scripture. The Lord didn't take the time to give every detail. But let me give you, in this, this lady's story in today's context, let me just explain to you how this would have gone down. A similar story, just with more details based upon this story. So the lady comes to the judge for help in the courtroom. She says, I need help, judge. Someone has wronged me. The judge brushed her aside and said, she's a widow. Take her out of the courtroom. A while later, that group goes out. Other people come in for another case. The judge didn't realize it, but the widow lady came back in with this group. Finally, it's her turn. Uh, what do you want? Little lady asked the judge. Someone is wrong with me. She said, no, I need help. And the judge said, no, wait a minute. Aren't you the lady that was just in here? And I said, no. He said, throw her out. And this time he gets the, the bailiffs in our vernacular to, to throw her out. The judge finished his day's work. As he stepped, as he stepped outside, he finds a little lady. Judge, someone has wronged me. I need your help. The judge brushed her aside and said, leave me alone. He got in his car and drove home. When he got home, the telephone was ringing. He walks in the door, throws his keys down, picks up the phone, hello. And there's a little voice on the phone saying, judge, someone has wronged me and I need help. The little lady had gotten his phone number. Would not leave him alone. He slammed down the telephone. A little while later, he heard the doorbell ring. He went up to the door, and the telegraph boy said, Telegram for you, judge. The judge signed the telegram, opened it, and read these words. Dear judge, I am the widow. Someone has wronged me, and I need help. The judge tore up the telegram and threw it down. So the paper boy came. As the paper boy was leaving, he said, By the way, judge, I saw a lady a while ago. She said she was a widow that needed help because someone had wronged her. The judge said, You tell that woman to leave me alone. The judge put on his slippers and started reading his newspaper. All of a sudden, he hears a loudspeaker in, in his front lawn saying, Judge, someone is wrong. I need help. He tried to get some sleep. But all he could think about was that widow. He left the next morning, and there she was on the front doorstep. Judge, someone is wrong, man. I need your help. Finally, the judge said, Okay, I will help you. If you leave me alone, I will help you. That's the persistence found in that story. And if you, if you notice in the, the biblical parable, the Bible says, verse 4, and he would not for a while, but afterward, after the pestering, after the persistence, after the asking and asking and asking and asking, this is what he said to himself. Though I fear not God, nor regard man. He said, I don't care if God's going to judge me for not helping her. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me not helping her. But this woman won't leave me alone. So I'm going to help her. <laughs> That's persistence. 
Jesus tells this story to remind us, hey, don't quit. Don't give up. Let me teach you an important lesson. These parables are not teaching the attributes of God. This is not that God is an unjust judge. This is not that God is a sleeping neighbor as we find in Luke chapter 11 and the, the neighbor comes and beats on the house and wakes up the whole house until the person gives him bread for the, the visitor that came in the night. What God is saying is he's contrasting the unjust judge to the righteous judge. We don't have a God that's unjust and doesn't care. We have a God that's just. He always does the right thing. He cares about your situation. He wants to help. How much more should we keep praying with a God like that? We should never give up praying. We should never give up praying. Never stop praying. There's persistence in prayer. Let me show you a few verses here. Look at Psalm chapter 27. Psalm chapter 27. These would be good verses for you to mark in your Bible. Just don't stop praying. Never stop praying. Persistence, perseverance, importunity. Psalm chapter 27. And look at verse 14. Great verse for you to memorize. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Why is he telling you to wait on the Lord? Because sometimes you need to wait on the Lord. Sometimes God will make you wait before he does what he promised he would do. Sometimes he'll make you wait before he answers your righteous prayer that he wants to answer. Sometimes he'll make you wait. Now, it's important to know here that the word wait doesn't mean sit around and do nothing while you wait. It's actually the, it has the idea of wait like a waiter. So while you're waiting, stay busy. While you're waiting on God, keep serving the Lord. They'll say, well, if God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm not going to church. If God doesn't answer my prayer, I'm not going to serve him. I've known people like that. Can I tell you, that, that's, like a, that's like a three-year-old throwing a tantrum. The Almighty God does not respond to threats and manipulation. Well, if God doesn't give me what I want, I'm never going to. Then you're never going to. That's not who God is. But God might make you wait, but while you're waiting, stay busy. And look what happens. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And what happens while you're waiting? Trusting God. Waiting, being trying to be bold, waiting for God to answer. And he shall strengthen thine what? Your heart. See, God is doing other work while he's waiting to answer your prayer. He's doing other things inside of you. We'll talk about that in closing in, in, a, in a moment. Look at Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40, and look at verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. See, we wait, and God answers in his time. But there's a lot of verses in the Bible about persistent praying, patient waiting based on faith. 
Look at Acts chapter 1. A lot of verses we could look at in Psalms, but let's look in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and the Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brethren. So when it says they all continued with one accord, they all were waiting in prayer. They were they continued in prayer. They were persevering in prayer. They didn't give up. Look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. And verse 12. Look at these beautiful words. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. The idea of continuing is the idea of perseverance. We're going to keep praying. We're going to continue in prayer. Look at first. I look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. And look at verse 2. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So again, we continue in prayer. First uh, Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. You get the idea? Hey, don't stop praying. Find out what you should pray for and never stop praying. Never, 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 never stop praying. When my brother Levi was here uh, a few years ago, he gave me a CD, and it's a CD of on the graduation night when when I graduated from Christian school. They had I think there were three or four graduates that night. I had gone my whole life to public school, small public school in our small community, varsity track, varsity basketball. Very involved, friends of a lifetime, went to preschool with the same people all the way up through my junior year. I got saved and um, really sensed that I was supposed to go to to Christian school my, my senior year, which was a big deal for a young guy. Uh, turned my back on all the sports and the people of a lifetime and and it was a big decision, but a wonderful year, and I really believe that helped helped me stay faithful to the Lord during that time in my life. On our graduation night, we were each allowed to give uh, a speech, and Pastor Jerry told me later, he said, hey, did you get that CD? I said, yeah. He said, did you notice the times on it? I said, yeah. And, uh, you know, one person's three minutes, one person's four minutes, Paul Chapman, 12 minutes and so many seconds, you know, it was, I was called to preach, what am I supposed to do? You get up and talk. And um, it's the only time in my life that my dad stepped foot in Blissville Baptist Church it was for my graduation. He would never come for a service I was just so burdened. 
The only thing I wanted is for my dad to get saved. That's all I cared about. I remember being down in, in school one day, and I was just so burdened for my dad. I just, I'm a senior in high school, and I just started bawling like a baby. I couldn't stop. Teacher came over, are you okay? And I'm through tears. I just want my dad to get saved so bad. I'm just crying just uncontrollably. Just wanted me to get saved so bad. And my dad was finally there, and it might be the only night he's ever in church. And so I wouldn't recommend you do this. Part of the time I'm glad I did it. Part of the time I kicked myself for doing it. I just wanted him to get saved for so bad, so bad. I'm in the middle of giving my speech, and I just break down and start crying. And my dad's right over here about halfway back. And I just said, all I want in the world is for my dad to get saved. All I want in the world. I'm just bawling like a baby. Dad's crying. I'm sure so embarrassed. A lot of people in the room are crying. I said, please, just Dad, I want you to get saved so bad. You say, why did you decide to do that? I didn't. I just I needed him to get saved so bad. I prayed for my dad over and over and over and prayed and fasted and cried and just wanted him to get saved so bad. He never came back to church and. Probably wouldn't have if I'd done that or not. I just prayed for him for so long. I remember one time I was home, and I wanted to see him, but he was at work. So I said, Dad, I'm going to drive over to work. He worked about an hour from, from where I was staying. I said, I want to go over to work. I'm going to take you to lunch. And... Um, he took me around his work, worked at the same place for a lot of years. He was number two at a commercial HVAC company and took him out to lunch. And I just looked at him and said, Dad, tears filled my eyes. Dad, I just, I need you to get saved. I'd witnessed to him so many times. Dad, I need you to get saved. And he looked at me and said, Paul, I am saved. I said, no, Dad, you're not saved. I said, I just need you to get saved. He said, he said I am saved. I said, no, Dad, I know you're not saved. And he had gone to a church that taught you could lose your salvation and uh, a works-based salvation and gone to church up until he was in his mid-30s until he finally figured out he couldn't live it. He and my mom divorced. They both stopped going to church, believing that they could never be good enough to go to heaven. So for a lot of years when I would witness to him, it would be, I, I'm, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. No, I, I can't live it. Just prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him, prayed for him, and at this conversation, we're sitting at an olive garden in Bloomington, Indiana. I'm like, Dad, I just need you to get saved. He's like, I am saved. I said, no, Dad, I need you to get saved. I need you to get saved. He said, Paul, I'm saved. I said, no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I was like, I said, okay, then. How did you get saved? He said, I'm trusting Jesus as my Savior. I said, no, Dad, I want you to get saved so bad. I said, okay, Dad, you tell me how to get saved. He said, Paul, you've told me so many times, and this is exactly what it. I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't go to heaven because of my sin. I know I'm going to go to hell. I know I have to trust Jesus to save me. I know Jesus is the only way, and I trusted Jesus as my Savior. And I'm like, you did that? <laughs> He's like, Paul, I did that. Are you sure? Like, Paul, I did that. And there's a lot of stories in my life that just praying and praying and praying and praying 
Sometimes God makes you wait and sometimes he gives it to you. When you least expect it. Then there's situations with my wife where we've prayed countless times. You've prayed countless times. Why does my wife have to be sick? Why can't my kids have a normal mom? Why, why her? Why a, why a godly pastor's wife? Why not, why not somebody else? All she wants to do is be a, a, a good Christian and a godly wife and mother and come here and serve at the church. And It's all she wants in life. Why? It's not a sin to ask why, but it's a sin to demand an answer. Okay, God, you don't have to tell me why. Just fix it. Just, just fix it. You could do it right now. And I, I've prayed so many times, countless times. Lord, you could heal her right now without even breaking a sweat. I mean, in an instant, everything could be gone. She could be 100% healed. All of the years you took away from her could be put back on her. She could be in perfect health. My phone could buzz right now. And she's jumping up and down on the bed. Paul, I'm healed. I'm healed. He could do that if he wanted to. Now, he hasn't chosen to yet, but that's okay. I think we'll just keep praying about it. See, sometimes God answers in the way you expect, and sometimes God answers in a way you don't expect, and sometimes God never answers in this life. But here's what faith says. Faith says, If I was smart enough to know why God is doing what he's doing, I would agree with him. I don't know a lot of things, but I know one thing. God always does the right thing. He's perfect. He's just. He's right. And if God and I disagree, the problem's not with him, it's with me. And the only time you ever stop praying for something that you believe to be biblical and right and in the will of God, the only time you stop praying for it is if God tells you to stop praying for it. In Exodus chapter 14, we won't look at it. Verse 15, Moses is crying and praying to the Lord. And here's the verse, quote, And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. God told Moses, it's not time to pray, it's time to move. So sometimes God will say, don't ask me about that. Don't pray about that. Do this. Focus on this. Joshua chapter 7 verse 10, after an embarrassing defeat, God told Joshua to stop praying and deal with the sin in the camp. He says, and quote, and the Lord said unto Joshua, get thee up, wherefore liest thou upon thy face? He said, get up off your face, it's not praying time. He said to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, God told Paul, stop praying for healing. I gave you that thorn in the flesh for a reason. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 9, Unless I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given unto me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. You think the Apostle Paul was used to getting his prayers answered? Yeah. But verse 9, And he said unto thee, unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then the Apostle Paul said, Most gladly, therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities of the power of Christ 
may rest upon me. Sometimes God says, stop asking me about that. I'm not going to do that right now because I'm doing something that is greater and for the greater good. Never forget this, dear Christian. If Jesus, if Jesus Christ, the virgin-born sinless Son of God, could hang on a cross and die for the sins of the world, God is certainly allow, willing to allow me to suffer for the world. God is willing to allow you to suffer for the greater good. The Christian faith is built upon the idea that sometimes we suffer unfairly for the greater good. And when it's about Jesus, you say, Amen! When it's, it comes into your life, you're like, Oh my! But are we ever any more like Jesus when we suffer unfairly for the benefit of another? And we suffer in faith. Well, the Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, that I may know him. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. We like that part. But it goes on to say, in the fellowship of his suffering. See, you don't get the resurrection without the suffering. And we've got to be willing to continue in prayer. If the Lord tells me to stop praying, I'll stop praying. If the Lord tells me to pray for something else, and often I'll say, Lord, if I'm praying for the wrong thing, change my prayer, change my heart. One of the best ways to get your prayers answered is stop trying to twist God's arm and find out what he wants to do anyway. If I want to go to Cancun and you come and say, hey, pastor, can we go to Cancun? I'll be like, yeah, let's go. If you want me to go to Antarctica, I'm not going to Antarctica. It's cold. I hate the cold. You can beg, you can plead, it ain't happening. And so many Christians spend their prayer time trying to twist God's arm when we ought to find out what God wants to do and say, God, I'm on your team. You tell me what you want done. I'll not only do it, I'll pray for you every day that your will be done. Didn't we talk about this morning? Thy will be done. Let me give you this last thought. Why persist in prayer? Number one, persistent prayer draws us closer to God. If you got everything you asked for the moment you asked it, you wouldn't spend much time in prayer probably. But sometimes God will make you wait because when we know we need something, we're willing to pray about it and pray about it and pray about it. Persistent prayer draws us closer to God. Number two, persistent prayer molds us into God's image. Over time, our desires are purged. You know, if, it, if it's not really a worthy request, would we spend 10 years praying for it? Probably not. And when you're praying for something and God's not answering it, it, it forces you to say, am I praying for the right thing? What is, what is God's will? What, what, what would honor the Lord? How is the condition of my heart? Is there anything in my heart that would keep this prayer from being answered? Am I asking amiss? And while we labor in, in persistent prayer, it molds us and shapes us further into Christ's image. Number three, persistent prayer makes sure we get it right. You know, sin can keep us from getting our prayers answered. But whenever you need something and you need to keep praying for it, you start looking around your life. Lord, is there anything in my life that's making you unhappy? 
Is there anything in my life that's keeping this prayer from being answered? Because I, I need this. We need this. I need you to come through in this area. There's a purging that takes place in persevering prayer. And lastly, persistent prayer prepares us for God's timing. Don't miss this thought. It is possible to ask God for the right thing, for the right reason, in the right spirit, but at the wrong time. And sometimes we need to keep praying to catch up with God's schedule. God's like, I'm going to do that. You're just not ready for that yet. They're not ready. The situation's not ready. But as we're persisting in prayer and we're drawing closer to God, and we're being molded into to God's image, and there's the purging that takes place in prayer, God is preparing us for that moment when he goes from making us wait to now it happens fast. And we're ready for it because we have been in persistent prayer. Is that helpful to you? Folks, don't stop praying. If it is good and it's right and it's biblical, if it honors God, if it agrees with Scripture, if it furthers the mission of Christ, if it will bring God glory, just keep praying and never give up. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to pray. Thank you for this idea of persevering prayer, persistent prayer. Thank you for the example of the unjust judge and how persistence works even with those who are unjust. How much more would it work with you who are perfectly just and you love us and you want to help us and do the right thing? So I pray we'd remain faithful in prayer. We wouldn't get bitter, angry. We wouldn't get demanding but we'd stay in submission, finding out what you want and praying for it to the best of our knowledge and praying until you answer, you tell us to stop. Oh, I wonder how much different the world would be if your people would pray this type of prayer consistently. Help us to be a people of prayer in Christ's name.